Welcome to the Copying Content Podcast. If you're a speaker, coach, consultant, trainer, podcaster, YouTuber, whateverer, who actually gives an ish about your audience, this podcast is for you. Our host, John Cook, shares interviews from top thought leaders on the topics of speaking, copywriting, content creation, branding, and marketing. So snuggle in those earbuds and let's get started. Welcome to the Copying Content Podcast. This is for thought leaders who actually give an ish about your audience. I'm John Cook. I'm your host for Copying Content. I'm joined today with Bryce Anderson from Light Switch Video, and he recently relocated from uh, Chicago to the Denver area uh, with his now fiance, Lissy, and their dog, Beans. And uh, so we're going to talk all things video today on Copying Content. Bryce, welcome to Copying Content. Can you fill in a little bit more of the background that I might have missed there? Yeah, sure thing. Well, John, um, first of all, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I'm uh, glad to say this is actually my first podcast that I've been on, so hopefully I I can impress. Um, background, you know, I've worked at Lightswitch Video for about four years now, and it's sort of a uh, fortuitous circumstance of events to get here. I was just sort of a movie buff back in my high school days. Loved, as you can see in the background here, um, my favorite movie of all time, The Thing. Just loved, you know, nerdy movies. And went to film school thinking I was going to go out there and be a director myself. Um, ended up working in call centers in college and getting sort of the bug for sales and solicitation and things like that. Um, and then ended up in Chicago and found a job where I could do both video production and sales and scratch that itch to be an entrepreneur. So I've really lucked out to be in a role where we get to produce uh, you know, thousands of videos every single year and, and use all of my, my passions in one role. That's exciting. And, and knowing that, you know, video, people say, oh, I'm in video. Of course, video is, is so different now, even now in 2019, as opposed to even like two or three years ago, videos changed dramatically. I feel like it's this growing acceleration of technologies. And, you know, with live video definitely uh, really took off this last year, the last two years, live video has really taken off. And, you know, kind of as we look 2019, 2020 and beyond, kind of where do you see video going from a business uh, from a marketing uh, standpoint, what do you see video going over this next year or two years? Yeah, so it's it, it, people think about this a lot. And I, I just encourage them not to think too much into it or not to to think too much because you can kind of see where it's going. And if you travel the path of where it's came from, you know, when I was getting into film school, the big thing was they called they called it the democratization of filmmaking, where you know back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, you needed to buy. $250,000, $300,000 worth of equipment to go out there and produce a high quality video. Um, but with the invention of things like Canon DSLRs, people are going out there now and producing video that looks like it could have been shot in Hollywood back in 1990 or early 2000s, but they're doing it with like a $1,000 camera or even less. So for the filmmakers at that time, it was really exciting because it means we can produce really, really high quality stuff on the cheap. And I think what you're seeing now with, with video creators and video marketing is rather than uh, a firm spending $250,000, $300,000 on one video for a marketing campaign, they may spend that entire amount but make 150, 200 different videos that are marketed to specific demographics that are little, little bite-sized pieces. Um, as you know, content marketing is sort of sort of the game now, you know, making sure that your message is tailored to exactly the person who needs to see that message and delivered to them in the right format through the right mediums. So I think you'll just continue to see that where you're going to see videos that are specialized for maybe even where you are 
uh, that day. So you might be at the mall and have a video pop up and say, hey, mall goer, um, check out our sales in, in aisle 11 or whatever it might be. Um, and the same thing goes with, with the entertainment industry sort of branching outside of marketing. I think the people you see as YouTube stars now or you know personal marketers now or podcast hosts now will be celebrities to the extent that you know, say a Tom Cruise is celebrity. And I think we're already starting to see that where you've got people like, I think it's, I'm not too caught up on this stuff admittedly, but um, people like Ninja are, mm -hmm. you know, they're making millions of dollars and they've got huge followings. They can talk directly to people. So I think you'll just see that continue of video getting more specialized, video getting more compartmentalized and, and focused, uh, continuing to see shorter formats so that you're not always getting a 30 um, and a two one hour video, um, things down to 90 seconds or less that you're going to be seeing. Sure. And then also everybody being a video creator. Um, so the, the example I always use is I, I bought a car for the first time earlier this year and I spent hours and hours and hours and hours on YouTube watching every single car review possible. And more often than not, they were not coming from, you know, car and driver magazine or a big firm like that. It was just some enterprising individual who had gone out and made arrangements with local car dealers or potentially worked with a car dealer and were producing high quality localized content. Um, that's really reliable stuff. And I trusted those as a viewer more so than maybe a big name. Sure. Sure. Well, and I would think for a number of people that um, saying, well, I have my video, how much equipment do I really need to, do I need to spend? You know, some people are saying, I'm not even sure if I'm really that comfortable with video. Um, do you see video as still an option for businesses or is it the must have ingredient? For, for those that don't know anything about video production themselves or. Yeah. For, for somebody who's wanting to be establishing themselves as a thought leader in their space, whether it's a, a broader company or whether it's a personal brand an individual um, saying for companies that really want to make that splash to position themselves as a thought leader for 2019 and beyond. Um, is there, is there, really much space for them not to create videos? Uh, yeah, I'd say no. So, um, and I, I should shoot myself in the foot for saying this as the owner of a professional video production company, but, but people are very forgiving of video quality. Um, as you see the things people record on LinkedIn, you know, I've got other sales leaders I work with who do every day a little motivational moment. And it might be them sitting, talking to their iPhones, you know, and sitting in their car talking into an iPhone rather than having the professional piece of equipment. So I think more important than the actual quality of video, though it can be important in some circumstances, is having a worthwhile message that you're delivering through the video, mm. uh, delivering things consistently. I think consistency matters and people are, for, you know, say you do 100 podcasts and 15 of them are great. People are still going to tune in when you get those 15 and they're going to keep turning in every single week to see what you're turning out. So the consistency is really important. Um, honing that message ahead of time and then really keeping it short and concise. Uh, people don't have the big attention spans that they used to. They have a lot of things coming at them. You know, I, I can't keep up with with different TV shows and, and movies now because there's feels like there's 10 times as many as there used to be. And that's the same thing with online marketing too. So honing that message and keeping it short is honestly a lot more important than the quality. Um, what I will say though, is with quality sort of knowing your audience. Mm. So if you are, you know, a thought leader 
uh, I think urgency and important messages is the important things. People are going to forgive Tony Robbins, for example, if he shoots something on his iPhone. But if you are um, a marketing firm or you're a, you know, a brand and quality is really, really important with your videos, you want to make sure you're putting in uh, the effort to get that quality so that it matches what people expect to come out of of who you are basically. Sure, sure. Well, you think about somebody who positions themselves as like a, a Nashville-based uh, recording studio and they say, hey, we've got a great video set up, but for whatever reason, their audio is a little sketchy, which almost seems like it's unheard of. But um, I've seen too many different times people that have positioned themselves to be experts in an area and, and, you know, whether it's headshot photographers or whether it's, you know, uh, audio specialists or whatnot. And ironically, the element that they need to be known for the most or that they want to be known for the most is actually an area that is not quite where it needs to be from a quality standpoint. It doesn't pass a sniff test. Yeah, you do see that a lot. You know, somebody who's offering website marketing services and they have something that looks like it was made on on GeoCities back in 1995. <laughs> Geo you know? Yeah, yeah maybe don't reference that, but <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, look, it's a, it's an architect that works in SimCity. Um, you know, and when you think <laughs> about um, it's true when you when people say that you are you are only as good as your most recent project. Um, and which is, you know, might be unfair in some people's eyes, but it comes back to, I, I believe that people say, when we hold the standard of excellence and we say, I can absolutely forgive the, the quality of the video, but if your message is inconsistent from message to message to message, um, then the video quality starts to reflect the inconsistency. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's a good point. And, and you know, when we talk about people like YouTube stars and, and sort of consistency being really important, a, a guy I follow on I'm, I'm big into tech news and gadgets and the newest cameras and things like that. Sure. Um, so I follow a guy named MKBHD. Have you ever heard of him? I, I can't say I've heard of him. He shows a, my ignorance. As well. <laughs> he, he's a young guy. He reviews all the phones and, and the gadgets and, and Teslas and things like that. Um, but he's been producing videos since he was something like 17 years old. And they're all up there. So nowadays, he's got a studio and he's got multiple red cameras and he's got this beautiful editing suite that he shows off. But if you go back to, you know, 19 or 2008, whenever it was, and he started doing these, he's like 17 sitting in front of a crummy webcam recording videos, just talking about a Nokia phone or something like that. Um, so by sticking with it, sort of the quality will come because one, you'll enjoy doing it and you'll get into these things. You'll want to get a new microphone. You'll want to get a camera because it's, it's fun for you or, or of course, hire a professional to do it if it's becoming you know burdensome to, to do all this stuff. But the quality will come and people aren't going to judge you by the video you made back in 2008. They're going to judge you by the video you made recently, which is a reminder to say, if I'm going to start now and it's not going to be the quality I want it to be, it's better to get that start and to work your way towards that quality than to wait until you've got um it's i mean it's the same thing it brings me back to being a film student at the university of iowa people make excuses saying you know i can't make a movie i don't have uh you know an ari alexa camera or a panasonic camera or something like that sure we've all got a phone in our pockets that you can do it with and you might as well get started on the phone so that one day if you can get the better camera you know how to use it and you know how to structure a film you know how to structure a video so there's really no excuse not to start because people are pretty forgiving.
Yeah, and I think a key part that you mentioned there is is getting started point. Um, and I've, I've heard a number of excuses from people like, well, it just, I want to shoot a couple of videos. I had everything kind of lined up, but then it was just a bad hair day for me. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it sounds silly, but I had somebody tell that to me about uh, about two months ago. They're like, oh, yeah, I was supposed to record all these videos, but it's just a bad hair day. I'm like, and it seemed like it was a convenient excuse. I don't want to razz on, on um, um, people who, who say that they have something that's getting in the way from them doing uh, creating videos because I get it. I mean, video is one of the most um, um, vulnerable media types, if not the most vulnerable media type after a live stage that you can have to share with your audience because they see how you, they see how you look. They see all of your appearance, warts and all. They see, they, you know, they hear how your voice sounds. They kind of see the mannerisms, nonverbal language, all of that. And it's uh, it's incredibly vulnerable. But to get in front of that and saying, um, really, a question I would have for you is, what are some of those common excuses slash uh, obstacles that you found that that people give for not using video? Yeah, um, the the biggest one we come across really, you know, because in our business we're working a lot with um, agencies and publishers. So we typically work in a white label fashion where we're working with a rep at another company who's trying to sell you know video to their client. Mm -hmm. And the number one thing that we get from the reps is that they think it's going to be a lot of work, and from the clients too. They think that every single video shoot you you do needs to have a thorough. Story, storyboard. It needs to have an exact detailed script. There needs to be, you know, three weeks of consultations about every element of the video prior to. And there should definitely be prep work. Like, don't discount the importance of doing prep work. But it's not nearly as as stressful and labor intensive as you think it's going to be. You know, going out there with a clear message um, and doing it is more important than you know doing all those steps. Because the other thing with video too is it. Um, just like your audience, it's pretty forgiving. You can go in there and record it and say, you know, no, I don't like that and record it again and again and again and again, which is another great thing about digital video. You know, back in the day, you're rewinding an eight millimeter Spicing tape. film and all, all that. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's a big pain in the rear where, you know, with digital video, you've just got a hundred files and you can, you know, pick which one you really like and do do a dozen takes if, if you need to. Um, so I think the biggest excuse is really just that people think it's going to be way more work um, than it's than it is. The other thing that I think prevents me from from starting things and, and videos, one of them sometimes, is that um, whether or not they think they can keep up with it. You know, say I want to start a new hobby. I, I'm going to start a podcast, and I do five episodes, and then I I don't have the time anymore, and then I forget about it for six months, and I'm like, oh crud, my podcast failed, and. I think kind of two things to think about there is one to forgive yourself. You know, I think the big thing that I've learned in, in entrepreneurship and, you know, sales really is persistence pays off. So say you, you messed up and you didn't do the podcast for a month, hop right on that bike and start doing it again. And maybe you'll get to seven episodes this time. And then, you know, you, you goof it up again, then hop right on. And then you get to 14 episodes this time and just keep continually recommitting yourself to doing something like video or podcasts is what's going to, end up making you successful at it. The other thing to think about is if you have determined that it's really a priority for you and you know that video is going to be important for your marketing things and or marketing efforts in 2019, but you also know that you don't have, you know, an hour in the, in the week to commit to it, 
there are a lot of great companies locally or companies like ours or agencies that can work with you. And it can be a lot less, a lot less expensive than you think to just work with a professional, have them come in, get enough content done for several months in advance. And then all you have to do is release that content rather than, you know, be thinking about it every single day of, of the week. Sure. And I think that's a key point is uh, when people are thinking, I don't really have a budget to, to you know, spend $10,000 on, on a, on a video for my business and then saying, no, no, the, the turnaround time and the accessibility and the uh, affordability of video is better than ever. And yeah. to, to highlight that point. Yeah, most definitely. And I think we talk to a lot of people, or I do anyway, where I'm you know, trying to convince them to work with us to, to produce video. And they say, no, 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 we don't want to spend the money on an agency or a firm. We're going to hire somebody in-house. But what they don't understand is, you know, now you've got a salaried person. You've you know, bought them all this equipment. You've bought them you know, licenses for these uh, different programs that they need. And they're not going to be able to turn out nearly as much video with nearly as much frequency as you know, a professional company is going to be able to do it. And it's going to cost you a lot less than you think to work with a lot of professional companies out there. And that's one interesting thing I've, I've learned just working in video in the past four years is the perception of a cost of, of what a video is. You ask 100 people, how much does a video cost? And you're going to get answers from 100 bucks to a million bucks, depending on who you're talking to. Sure. Wide range. Um, absolutely. Very, very wide range, depending on perceptions. And the great thing with working with um, some agencies, but also kind of local independent videographers and then companies like, like ours is you, they can typically match a budget. You know, if you want to do a video for, you know, under $10,000, they can do that. If you want to spend $150,000, they'll, they'll certainly oblige you there too. So. Sure. And I think for a number of people, um, that are saying, okay, I've been shooting video, you know, with a Facebook live or whatnot, um, for, you know, for the last year or so, six months, whatever it is, 10 years, I don't know, whatever. Um, how do I know when I'm ready to transition into hiring that agency or, or having a, an independent videographer come in and shoot the series of videos? Like how, what are, what are some of those factors where they say, you know, I would really recommend that you start make that transition for this experience. Yeah, I would. So prior to going out and doing a video campaign um, or Facebook Live, I would say to sit sit down and think about why you're doing it. Mm. You know, I, I think a lot of people I talk to say, "Hey, I heard Facebook Live is really cool, or Instagram video is really cool. I want to do that." And I'm like, "Why? Like, is is your customer on there? Do you have an important message to deliver there? Um, are you trying to establish yourself as a thought leader?" And if you are, you know, what are you the thought leader in and what do you have to say? So all of those things should be thought about before committing to doing something like this. And so I would sit down before starting a campaign and say, here's my specific goals. I want to make sure that I, po I post this frequently, uh, videos of this length and this quality. And I want to try to get, you know, X viewers on these videos for this purpose or to, to drive leads or define that purpose before you do it. Sure. And, then just, and then just check in with yourself. Um, you know, a month in, how are you doing? Three months in, how are you doing? And if you see some success in the beginning, you can't keep up with it. I think that's a good time to, to, to consult with a, a professional firm to see if they can help you keep that consistency and up that quality. Um, the other thing is if you are starting to see success, but you know there's a lot of untapped success out there, 
Like I know that my videos are being effective, but I'm only doing them via one channel. I'm only reaching, reaching one demographic or delivering one set of messaging that I can. And I want to do a lot more than that. Uh, I think that's when you start to talk, you know, about getting involved with a professional. Um, or if you just determine the video can be successful for you, but is absolutely something you do not have time for, even doing those, you know, one hour a week things, that's when to talk to a, a professional with it. But I think it all starts with right before that, defining those goals and then trying to meet them yourself. If you can't meet them yourself, talk to a professional. And if you want to meet them even more, you know, talk to a professional. Yeah. And, uh, and that's great content and being able to, um, really identify kind of where am I at from a video development standpoint, from video, um, really creating those videos for my business. What does it look like to, uh, to even have those types of conversations? And I, I appreciate you sharing kind of the, some of that, those situations where you might say, Hey, this is a good time to have that conversation. Um, now like more into the, the technical side of things, as it were, um, people are saying, Oh yeah, I, I'm putting out great video, but I'm constantly having a problem with lighting or with, you know, or uh, I don't know if my videos are any good from a quality standpoint. Yes, as you were saying earlier, I agree with you. People tend to be very forgiving from a video quality, but there's something about if you can make a few small tweaks, small changes that can actually have tremendous impact on the quality of your videos so you can level up to hire that agency. What are some of those uh, tips or techniques that you have found that can really pay off quickly? You know what, um, to, to immediately increase, there's, there's certain things that I'll say in the video industry, there's, there's um, what sticklers would say is actual quality of video, and then there's sort of like a perceived quality of video or, or of production. And I think one of the biggest things you can do for the actual perceived quality of the videos you're producing is get quality audio. Hmm. Um, people will forgive a, a crummy image more than they will really, really bad audio. Um, so go out there and these, and some of these audio, improving your audio is one of the least expensive ways to increase. You know, you don't have to buy a whole extra camera. You can go out there and buy like a little H4 recorder, which is a portable handheld device that records the audio separately from the camera and go out there and get a lapel mic or a little lav mic. And that's going to increase the audio quality of your video so much that it's going to, um, by spending, you know, a few hundred dollars rather than buying a, a big expensive camera. Um, the other thing you can do is just learn how to use your camera better in a lot of cases. Uh, so if you have a, you know, a DSLR, for example, and that's what you're shooting with, learning to adjust the settings on the lenses. So maybe opening up the lens and shooting a little bit further away and filling the room with light. So you get a, what's called a shallower depth of field. And this is if you're seeing, you know, in a lot of old photographs and a lot of video, you know, one object is really in focus and then the background is much less in focus and, and has that effect that's called bokeh, which is, you know, um, sort of showing the, the lens aperture in, in the image a little bit. Sure. You, you can do that with very, very inexpensive cameras. And if you actually, a great example is on, you know, the iPhone and on the new pixels, they have that shallow depth of field digitally added. So it's not in the same, uh, it's not done optically as it would be done on a high-end camera, but it's done digitally. So they're blurring that back on because they know the perceived quality is a lot better from that, um, from that image. The other thing I would say, you know, first thing, up your audio quality. Second thing, learn to use the equipment you have. And the third thing would be to learn to use the software that is out there. So mm. rather than go out and buy the next expensive camera, learn to use something maybe like a color correction software where um, in a lot of videos you're seeing now sort of a flat color profile, 
ups the perception of quality in the video because it's somewhat stylized. It's not stylized in the sense that, you know, your phone automatically stylizes things a little bit, but they're, you know, lowering the saturation a little bit and getting that flat color profile. And me as the viewer, I, I perceive that as quality, even though it's really just sort of a trick of the software and a trick of the trick of the camera. And yeah, that's great. And uh, increasing the quality of your audio, get to know your camera better, get to know your software better. And that's one where uh, it takes time. And, you know, it's one where people say, oh, I, I get it. Um, I don't know if I have that much time. Well, how much time do you have to re-record videos because the audio quality was not that good the first time? Uh, and when you start to factor in the payoff for that, and it's one where it's, you know, it's very much the same uh, priorities. When, you know, is it is it more time to recover from a uh, health surgery or is it uh, more time to hit the gym on a regular basis and not have right. to be, have that surgery uh, whatever it looks like and it's one where you're trading away your time and priorities and I think for a lot of people who are speakers coaches consultants uh, um, I mean we're all busy I get it absolutely but it's one especially you know um, as we continue to ramp up this involvement for people they're saying I, I just don't know I don't have a lot, a lot of time. You know, I have kids or I'm constantly traveling. How do you create great video on the go given the resources and time that I have right now? And those three tips, I feel like really started to add, uh, really add some great value, some practical ways that people can, you can read your, your book, uh, your booklet for your camera as, you know, while you're waiting for your next flight, you know, at the, at LaGuardia or whatever. Um, it's different ways that people can improve the quality of their, their uh, videos in a short period of time. Now, kind of looking, um, talking about live video, what are some uh, what are some ways that you see people really using live video well here in 2019 and heading into the future? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Live video is something we have been wanting to get into for the past um, year, really, and we've had a lot of people ask us about it. And it's live video is in sort of the stage I think the same with uh, virtual reality and same with 360 video, where people are sort of figuring it out and they're not exactly sure what to do with it just yet. And it's this, and it's crazy to say that because you know live video is essentially utilizing the same power as TV before DVR. <laughs> you know, you had to catch it sure. live to see it. Um, the, the tip that I would have for live video right now is to make sure that you're, when you're making a live video, you're saving that content and then reusing it and pushing it out there. Um, and, and by that, I mean, say you made an hour long live video out of that, an hour of video is a lot of content. You know, when we're going out there and we're shooting for multiple hours on site, typically the actual content we get back is, you know, 50% or 30% of the actual time that was spent on site. So having a block of one hour of raw video content is a lot of things to work with. So if you can cut out sound bites out of that and you can put them on, and I'd recommend if you're, all, if you're cutting up your own video, make sure that that front card or the uh, color scheme you're using in the lower thirds text is consistent. Um, mm -hmm. It should be striking and consistent so people know that's one of your videos. And if you're cutting these sound bites out of this longer live video and you're doing this branding of your your look and feel on the video throughout, you're getting you can get 10, 15, 20, 30 pieces of content out of that hour that you can then push out and specialize to people. So you know, say you and I talked about one topic, we talked about how to do videos for cars for five minutes within this hour-long conversation. Cut out that five-minute piece, slap your logo on there, and send it to any clients you have that are interested in information about cars. Um, so generally, I would say use use all the content you're getting out there in 
as much as possible. So it's almost like recycling and, and you know, being organic with the video a little bit, but you're just using it as much as you, as you possibly can. Um, the people who do, do best, honestly, with live video are the people who already have the audience. Um, so it's a matter of the, the great thing about live video is it's really easy to quantify how many people were watching that video. And it's, so it's, it's a, a good ad metric to sell. I think so if you already have that audience and you can say, I'll use this audience and I'll sell a big live video to the audience, that can be a, a good use of that use of your um, influence, I would say. So I'd say mostly what I'm seeing now is it's really good for those who already have an audience. I have not seen it be as strong for, for building an audience. Sure. Well, and that totally makes sense. And I think that there's a, um, a critical mass um, from it comes to a, a live video because it's nothing there's there's nothing there are a few things quite as lonely as saying hey i'm going to go live on video and <laughs> live video and you see the audience is one yes the second person comes on he's like hey thanks mom for showing up appreciate it um and then it's, it's just you but having that critical mass of audience i think really you can build you can build that quickly by having well-polished videos that are not necessarily they're not live videos but you've intentionally made it a point to develop and really strengthen that video muscle that you have and, and go into the discipline of creating consistent videos um, so that when you have the audience, that can grow your audience to when you do the live video, you already have that attention and that expectation in place. Yeah, and I, I think one thing to note with people who already sort of have the audience or celebrities using them is there is an urgency to, you know, say the one I follow a lot is The Rock. You know, everybody, mm -hmm. I think everybody follows The Rock at this point, um, <laughs> but he does a lot of live videos and there's an urgency to that because a live video with someone who's got a celebrity is is almost more personal than me watching. It's almost as personal as me meeting him in person because in mm -hmm. a way he's talking directly to me in that moment in time. Um, so live video should be adding, by doing video live, you should be adding something to the experience rather than doing it just because it's live. So um, an example, we, we do a lot of cooking shows for local you know grocery store brands where if, if you've seen the tasty style ones or sort of that stylized cooking videos, yep. very, very popular. And I also think they're they're very effective. So we do a lot of those. To do one of those live doesn't add to the video. It potentially lowers the quality of the in production. It, it lengthens the video. The great thing about those videos is, is they're quick, they're stylized, and they present you the information in a really, really effective way. Going live doesn't add anything to that. However, if you had you know, celebrity chef Bobby Flay cooking live, he does add something to it because you want that personal connection with with Bobby Flay in this example. Yeah, in the moment. So in the moment, yeah. So I think when you're thinking about doing live video, think about really is it additive to the experience? Um, the other thing I can think of using them for is if you had promotions or contests and you want it to be a limited time only, chime in and you know say what you think of this model of car and we'll give you 10% off or something like that. Sure. I think that's a good use of it, but make sure that that urgency that live at, adds to the production adds something to, to why you're doing it. Yeah, and I think a number of people, um, you know, talking on the bigger picture and saying the additive aspect of video, um, there are a number of people say, okay, I want to use more video, but how will more videos actually help me be found by Google higher? Or how will it help me rank higher, be found on Google more? through this video? Because it's video, it's, you know, it's not transcribed as written content from a catalog standpoint. So um, SEO, how does video and SEO really see those interacting more in 2019? 
Yeah, so video is huge for SEO. Um, so there's an old stat that I've, it's been going around for years that if you have a video on your website, you're 52 times more likely to show up in top Google search results uh, than someone who's not. Uh, so a big thing with video is that it keeps people on your website. Uh, it's It's been shown that people, if there's an article that has a video and then there's the article below it, people will click play on that video before they read a single line of text. Um, so rather than having an article on there that's going to get people to move on, you know, read the, the head, headline and then move on, the video will actually keep them on longer. And what you can do by having a lot of videos is I like to compare it to bite-sized candy bars. So if you went into a meeting and there was a bowl of full-size Snickers and there's a bowl of bite-sized Snickers, the bowl of bite-sized Snickers is going to be gone by the end of the meeting and nobody's going to touch the full-size ones because the full-size ones seem like a lot to take on. The small ones, you know, hey, I can eat one of those. It's the same thing with short videos. If you're keeping them concise, you know, under a minute, ideally under 30 seconds, if you possibly can, I'll watch one. I'll watch two, and all of a sudden, I'm sucked into a black hole of videos. I've stayed up at two a.m. and you're going to have to watch two hundred videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the heck am I doing watching these, you know, these goofy videos on the internet? I've done that countless times, and so that's a big power of videos for SEO on your website. Is all of a sudden that person came to your website out of curiosity, and they stuck around for fifteen minutes. All of a sudden, um, the other thing is, is video drives people to take action. A, a great example of this is uh, Zappos.com. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've ever bought something from their website and actually Amazon is doing this now too. And a lot of other websites are doing it. They do product videos for every single little product. It might be a boring old rubber pair of vans or something, but they'll bend them. They'll talk with the materials. They'll make a you know, about a 90 second video of somebody walking around. And they do that because they see an increase in people, not just adding the item to the cart, but actually checking it out. They say, okay, you know, it's, it's worth it. I watched the video. I'm confident that this is a good thing. And it's the same thing with, with lead form pages. It's the same thing with uh, real estate listings. Uh, there's a study out of uh, Australia that um, real estate listings that have a video get four times as many inquiries as those that do not have a video. Hmm. So it just gives people the confidence to say, you know what, it might be worth my time to go out and see this house. Um, they see more conversions, I believe, on automobile websites and also on recruiting pages. If you have a video specific to either the company or the job, you get, I, I want to say, 32% more, um, more applications than those that do not have a video. So it gets people to click on things. It gets people to go to multiple pages. Uh, Google obviously likes video, especially if it's hosted on YouTube. Uh, that's gonna, they're going to think favorably of that. Absolutely. Um, and then when you talk about... Uh, it not being text as well, you can upload caption files and you can upload um, transcript files to go along with the video that are being archived by Google as people are watching it. So there's a ton of tools you can do by having lots of videos, by having them linked together, by having a chain of them, by having them specific and short, that can be a huge, huge boost for SEO and driving people to, to fill out lead forms and, and reach out to you. Sure. Well, and that's great, great content there. And when I think about, let's say, you know, let's say if you had to start all over again and you had $100 when it comes to starting all over again from a business standpoint and using video, what would you spend that $100 on and why? That is a good question. Um, what would I spend $100 on? The thing that, that sticks out to me now, um, and I might, you know, I reserve the right to change my answer, of course. Sure, <laughs> but, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, um, I, I think is, is you, you always want to be hosting your videos on YouTube, but I think it's important to also be able to track, 
you know, what's going on with your video. Um, so we use Wistia internally, but there's other great platforms out there. You know, Vimeo does a really great job where when you're hosting your video, it doesn't have, you know, ads playing on it. Um, you can get uh, tracking on who's clicking on it, how long they're watching the video, where they're watching it from. You can add uh, contact forms and, and calls to action in the video. You can customize it to your, um, to your look and feel, the actual player itself. So I think that gives you a lot of capabilities and adds a lot of professionalism to you. I would never want to be, um, I would encourage people not for, to always host your videos on YouTube, but to not host them on your site on YouTube. So they should live on YouTube somewhere. But when I'm posting my video to my site and embedding it, I would not recommend using YouTube because you just, you can't track as much stuff. And then it also is, it's up to their whims of what they're going to play over it at, at times. So I think I would spend it on a professional video hosting service. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And that's one where, you know, it kind of puts you a um, uh, little bit of a curveball question there, but also there's the organic nature of saying really prioritizing down. And it also tells me, what you know works and what you know is actually going to really make an impact. If somebody's listening to this and you're saying, gosh, I only have a hundred dollars and I'm just starting out your answer right there. Help them give some, give them some ideas of, okay, maybe it's a video hosting platform you look at. Um, maybe it is Wistia. The other, the other thing I would say is, you know, kind of harkening back to an earlier conversation about how to increase the perceived quality of videos. You, you can record decent looking video on just about any phone these days, but the audio, you know, is going to lag. You can go out and get a, you know, a lapel mic for like 20 bucks um, and then get a converter that goes into your phone. So it records directly to the phone, you know, maybe you spend that on a, on a live on a lapel mic and you pocket 80 bucks, <laughs> you know, yep. go buy yourself a nice lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, push Facebook ads to it. Uh, any number of things. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so when, um, we kind of, we look at the way that people have used videos, you know, from 2018 now coming to 2019 and, and we've already talked about consistency. We've talked about, you know, just some really great content that you've shared through here. Um, for somebody who is a little, maybe a little self-conscious, um, there's always teleprompters, but teleprompters can be a bit of a, uh, a, a battleground for some creatives and some, some videographers. What's kind of your take on teleprompters? Are you pro teleprompter or kind of anti teleprompter? Um, I think if, if at all possible, avoid using a teleprompter. Now, they are good for some circumstances. If you have a very, very scripted message and you have you know, very, very specific points, uh, numbers you have to hit, and you've written this out, you know, like a presidential speech or a, you know, a CEO speech at the end of the year or something like that, I think a teleprompter can, can come in handy there. Um, because in that case, the message that you're delivering, uh, the, the data and the facts within the message are more important than, you know, say convincing someone when the, when the CEO is speaking or the president speaking, they're just trying to relay information for the most part. Um, if you are trying to sell yourself or sell a product or your company, authenticity is the most other than, you know, having something good to say, authenticity is the most important thing you have. Um, and that's the, the strength and the downfall in some cases of video is if you're in a really authentic person, why would you handicap yourself by using a teleprompter and, and removing that? Um, now, I will say if you are an inauthentic person and you're, you're you know, spewing lies and misinformation, that comes through better on video than any other platform out there. So you're not going to get away with it yeah. on video. Um, 
but I think the, the keys when you're not using a teleprompter is one, um, and this is where a professional can really help you out is they can really help coach you on site and put you at ease and make you feel comfortable um, so that you can get through that process. Um, but I think the thing to remember is when you're in front of a video is that once again, it is forgiving. You can cut it up and you can do 10 takes if you want to. The other thing is you probably don't realize when you're watching a video, lots of times it's professionally produced, you're probably watching a combination of five different takes. Um, very rarely is someone just nailing it all the way through and we're saying, okay, we're gonna take that, you know, that fifth take. Quite often we're, we're shooting from two different camera angles and the reason you do that is so that you can cut uh, very smoothly when they're speaking and making it seem like they just, they just put together a perfectly eloquent sentence. Um, but a lot of that's the magic of post with video. So when, I think when you're recording in front of a camera, let yourself feel comfortable. I think flub it two or three times um, just to get comfortable. And remember, it's, it's a video. It's digital video. You don't have to show it to anybody if you, if you didn't like it. Um, and you can always cut it up and, and make yourself look a lot better. Sure. When there are number of people, it's like, oh, you know, it's just, it's not Hollywood quality, dude. You're not Brad Pitt. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Or whatever, whatever it might be. And, and I think it's, you know, giving ourselves the grace to say a, a published video will always get more plays than the one that's stuck in the draft folder. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think one, one thing to touch on is when you say you're not Brad Pitt um, is to, you know, being in the, in the film industry or the, the video production industry, you learn a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes and the secrets. So when you see that Instagram video from the rock where he seems like, Oh, he's just, just decided to do this and it was live. It's probably likely there were PR people involved in the exact messaging. He probably had some makeup people come touch him up. He probably had some lights around him set up. So that, you know, instantaneous, spontaneous moment probably wasn't as spontaneous as you think it was and when you are you're probably not the rock if the rock is listening to this that's amazing <laughs> but you're you listening are probably not the rock so spontaneity and that authenticity is a selling point for you the rock has to sort of i think he's an authentic guy but he also has to sort of help with that he has some help to to get that authenticity across whereas if you are you know salesman number five in akron ohio your authenticity is just going to come across because that's what you have. And the spontaneity and the non overly production quality is, is going to help with that. Um, I think kind of in that same note, I've always admired um, the company Menards, which I, I don't know what regions that they're based in, but when I was growing up, I thought Menards was just my local hardware store because their ads are purposely done to sort of seem a little low quality. They've got sort of bad interstitials, bad titles. The voiceover is not always the, the highest produced. And sure. they do that specifically so that me at 10 years old in Iowa thinks of Menards is just a locally owned hardware store rather than a big national firm. And I, you know, I think lots of times authenticity and a perception of low quality can actually be a, a selling point for the right for the right person. Sure. Well, it's the, we are local and, and, uh, this is, you know, this is not a big, bad business. That's, uh, trying to take over the world you know, we're your, uh, friendly local, uh, hardware store. And there's something about having that connection. And I, I think it's one where, um, never, never trying to manufacture authenticity because that's, you know, the antithesis of, of authenticity, <laughs> right. But being able to say, how do I show up as myself, but yet the best version of myself and, and giving yourself permission to be human on video, which almost sounds silly, but we, I think it's 
easy for speakers, coaches, consultants. Like I, we feel this pressure that we have to have it all together. We have to have a perfect message. And for whoever's listening to this, if you're, um, you're, whether you're stuck in traffic or you're on the treadmill or you're waiting for your train or, you know, your plane to show up, you, you might be thinking, gosh, maybe what's been keeping me from videos that I feel like I've had to have it just, just right. It's got to be perfect, perfect lighting, perfect audio. And from what Bryce has been sharing, what I've been sharing as well, kind of this conversation is saying, giving yourself permission to not be Hollywood perfect, picture perfect, to not be constantly having all of your ish together, but still yeah. showing up on video. Yeah, I think I really like that phrase, um, perfection is the animus is the enemy of progress. Mm. You know, you're not going to get anywhere if you think it needs to be perfect from the get-go because nothing is perfect from the get-go and things probably aren't perfect after 10 years in. So that should never prevent you um, from stopping. And I also think um, people want to see that. You know, I, I would love to see The Rock sitting in his boxers eating donuts on the couch because that's a human moment. And I think there needs to be more of that out there. So if you are, you know, industry-leading consultant or industry leading salesperson, I think it's important for people to see that you're not every single morning waking up at 5 a.m. to run a marathon and then go and make a thousand sales calls and then go, you know, save a, a an orphan and, you know, yeah. and all before nobody, brunch, you know, and all before brunch, <laughs> you know, nobody's life is perfect. So I think it's important to be, especially if you're going to be a thought leader and it's you yourself that are trying to be relatable is to show the parts of your life that are relatable. Um, mm. I've always wanted, thought it'd be interesting to start an Instagram account that just retweets people, you know, tweeting themselves in normal situations. You know, I woke up and I'm a little sleepy this morning, or, you know, I, I ran out of coffee today and had to run to the grocery store and get it last minute, or, you know, my hair's, hair's not done, or I've, you know, got a big zit on my nose or something like that, because that happens from everybody from Joe Schmo to, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I, I think that just makes people more relatable. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I you know kind of turning it towards home here uh, as we're kind of wrapping up our time. Um, Bryce, thank you so much for sharing great content. Great. I have two pages of notes here <laughs> from uh, this conversation. And if somebody wanted to connect with you further, somebody said, Hey, I'm thinking about the, the best way to be able to connect and, and maybe get, maybe making that higher from a uh, agency standpoint, or just want to learn more about what can I learn from you from a video standpoint? How do they connect with you? How do they learn more from you? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank, for, thank you for having me in this podcast. It's been a real treat and I was, you know, a little nervous to start, but it was a really enjoyable experience. So um, I'm, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, but to get in touch with me, you know, uh, lightswitch.com is your website, just like a light switch on a wall, flip on the switch. Um, you can go on that website. My email is there. Uh, feel free to email me directly. It's just Bryce, B-R-Y-C-E at lightswitch.com. And I'm really happy to help with just about anything. If you're thinking about making a sales hire and want to know what equipment to get or whether or not to make that sales hire or need a recommendation, you know, reach out. If you're looking to uh, implement a content marketing strategy with video and you need someone to fulfill it for you or you need some guidance, I'm happy to help out with that too. Um, or if you are an agency, a publisher, an online media company who wants to do a lot more video and wants to do it in local markets, reach out to us because we can help you in all 50 states and, and we just love doing video. So uh, reach out to me and I'll answer any questions you have. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Bryce, for sharing that. And we'll put all this information in the show notes there. Uh, but for now, um, uh, thank you for your time and for the, the listeners as listening to this, catching this, wherever you're at on the go, give an issue about your audience, go out there make a difference, share a message uh, that can change the world for good. And we'll catch you next time on copy and content. Thanks so much, John. 
Thanks for listening to the Copy and Content Podcast with John Cook. If you like what you heard, do what fans do. Subscribe, share, rave, and show up for our next episode of Copy and Content. But until then, stay beautiful, my friend. <laughs>